You're listening to Creative Thursday, episode number 244. Welcome to Creative Thursday with Marisa Ann Cummings. We're talking all things life, business, and creativity with a special focus on helping artists confidently and consistently sell their creations to their ideal collectors online. Intended to inspire and empower you wherever you are on your creative journey, both personally and professionally. Enjoy and thank you for listening. Hello, it's Marisa here, and I have a very special episode for you today. I have been looking forward to this conversation probably for close to a year. I've been holding out on sharing an experience I had shortly after the pandemic started. I had come across Dr. Wood through this wonderful world of podcasting and the ability for us to just have access to these incredible minds and so much information to bring us closer to honestly just more peace in our lives, right? If you are a loyal listener of Creative Thursday, thank you. And you know my passion for personal development and recently my passion really for understanding more about trauma and just I say peace or harmony really bringing healing to as many people as possible not only through the art that we create and through the opportunity I have to mentor fellow artists but as best as I can I want to also use this podcast, the Creative Thursday podcast to really bring more awareness around healing. And Dr. Wood, learning about Dr. Don Wood, who is my special guest for today, was one of the most eye-opening experiences for me as I began to go deeper in this journey. And I took his tip program probably... I mean, it was kind of interesting timing, right? Right after the pandemic started. And it was perfect timing because I feel that going through this experience really helped me in what could have been a very panic time for me, for our family to really lean in and pivot and grow. And this has really been an incredibly transformative and breakthrough year for me. It's not something I would ever think that would have happened at the beginning of this pod, uh, excuse me, at the beginning of this pandemic. And, and yet it has. And it, there are many factors that have converged to this moment in my life. As you know, I talk about them often, but this was really a very pivotal moment for me. And I was looking forward to having the opportunity to share this with you through Dr. Wood explaining more of how he's come to do this incredible work and share it with the world. And I wanted him to to really explain all of this to you, because as you know, I am very 
conscientious about wanting to bring you correct information and new knowledge, especially when it comes to your mental wellness and anything that I share with you. I I take great care with your trust in me and bringing you thoughtful conversations of which this is one. I am going to tell you now that you, this is a little bit of a longer episode and this is one you're going to want to bookmark or save and repeat listen to. And we talk a little bit more about that in the episode, but Friends, as my artists, and Dr. Wood clarifies this for us beautifully, we are a sensitive group. And long, long, long time ago, or it feels like a long time ago now, I actually did a podcast about why artists are sensitive and why I decided to view that as a strength. And as we learn in today's episode, there's a reason that Many of us have become artists and chosen to, you know, transform our life experiences through this medium and to be able to express our life's work in this way. And I'm talking around it a little because I want to save the details in the episode for you. But I believe that this is a game-changing conversation. It will be, there will be more to come from me and just know that, you know, I am equally as passionate about bringing knowledge on this topic as I am around creativity and as I am around growing your art business, because it is very delicately tied together. And I cannot just speak on the practical side of creating your business and pursuing your passions and following your dreams, I must also speak to the healing that happens on this journey because it really is one about personal growth and personal development. And I've often heard too as entrepreneurs that if we choose to have our own business, we are in essence choosing a very unique path. And I say all of that to say, I know you know, I know, I know you get it. I get it. We are here to remind you, Dr. Wood and I, that you are not alone at whatever stage of this journey you are on. And I just want to continue to bring you more support and messages of encouragement. And there's so much available to us today. And Dr. Wood is one of those incredible people that I know you're going to love learning about his work. I highly encourage that you learn more about him at the Inspired Performance Institute. And I highly encourage that if you feel inspired to, that you work with him in whatever capacity you can. I think this is groundbreaking work and... I could only imagine, as I shared in the episode, how incredible it would be with more of us able to really transform our life experiences and then in turn bring that to others and whatever scale works for you, the people closest to you in your life or people um, like me where I'm reaching thousands of you and uh, I just only want to do more of that. And this conversation really inspired this feeling for me. So all of that said, I 
invite you to just relax. Uh, Dr. Wood has a very peaceful, um, gentle approach to all of this work. I know you're going to love this episode. So just sit back, grab your favorite beverage, enjoy, save this episode, put it on repeat. And at the very end and within the show notes, we also have a special link for you where you can get access to Dr. Wood's new book, Emotional Concussions. So stay tuned and thanks so much for listening and enjoy my conversation with Dr. Don Wood. Dr. Wood, as I said to you, I love hearing your voice. (laughs) It's wonderful to have you on the podcast. Um, You, your message, the work that you are doing and sharing with the world uh, has inspired me greatly. So I cannot wait to speak to you more about performance, but also I was hoping that we could start with, uh, before going into the story, of how you began this work, I was hoping we could start with just a definition of trauma. And, you know, we're hearing so much about this. I feel like either that or I'm just more aware of it. So I'm paying attention, but I also want to articulate it correctly. There are traumatic events and then there's trauma that is in my understanding in the body, how our body responds to those events. And then we're also using the word trigger all of the time. And I just thought it would be nice to hear from you a very clear introduction to these different terms. Well, Marissa, thank you so much for, you know, I, I love to, you know, share this information. I know with your audience as well and, and, and hearing your story, you know, these are the types of people that are really um, are going to resonate with what we're going to talk about here today. Yes. And, um, you know, and trauma, you know, I, I wrote a second book because a lot of times, you know, people would hear about some of the big cases that we worked with, you know, people from the Boston Marathon, you know, bombing and Vegas shootings and stuff like that, which are big T trauma. Those are obvious traumas. But I, I wrote a book called Emotional Concussions. And the reason I did that was because a lot of times people would say, well, I don't think I've really had any trauma. You know, I certainly have anything like a, a bombing incident or things like that. But emotional concussions was written because um, sometimes we have these bumps along the way, you know, maybe dealing with a parent that was having mental illness issues or alcoholism, um, all the way to maybe coaches or teachers that were maybe overly critical or harsh you know, told you you're not good enough, you're never going to make it, um, you're not smart. Those kinds of things bump us, but they can accumulate. And and trauma is relative. So, you know, people will say, well, I didn't have anything like that, but they're still experiencing, uh, you know, a lot of effects from some of those kinds of things. And like I said, it's all relative. So the, the idea behind it is as long as those things are still um, basically what I call looping, right, and are continually active. I, I prefer the word, rather than trigger, trigger sounds so negative. Yeah. Uh, I, I prefer the word activate, that it activates your nervous system. So if something reminds you about an event from five years or 10 years ago, it activates your nervous system as opposed to triggers an event. 
Um, so I, I usually use activate. I'm going to adopt that as well. Thank you. <laughs> Trigger yeah. just sounds so agitating and not pleasant oh, I know. at all. <laughs> I never liked it. I just never liked the word. So yes, good. I'm glad that we're we're addressing some of the language. And can I quickly ask also? So what would be an example of when you are feeling activated? How would you know that that is something happening? It's it's so simple. It's really amazing because people say, "Well, I don't know if I'm really you know if something's still bothering me." So I'll say, I want you to think about it or try to describe it to me. If you start to describe it or think about it and you feel an emotion, then it's activated. And as you know from going through the program, that our subconscious mind is fully present in the moment all the time. So here's where this glitch is coming in. When you think about something that happened to you five years ago and you go into memory and you start thinking about it, when does your mind actually think it's happening then? It's happening now. It's seeing the memory in real time. It's a glitch. It's an error message. And where people will say, well, I'm just really emotional. And I'll say, yeah, because your mind continues to be activated by memory. It's incredible. <laughs> I thought, yeah. I thought, why? So is, is this, my understanding is that 95% of our choices are being driven by our subconscious mind and, a, and roughly 5% is our conscious mind? Correct. And your conscious mind is reasonable and logical. But if your mind perceives a threat, reason and logic has nothing to do with it. It's always overridden by survival. So your mind will go into a fight or flight state, even though logically you're saying, this doesn't make any sense. Why am I doing this? Uh, but if your survival brain thinks there's a threat because it activated its nervous system based on perceiving a threat from memory, right? there's that error message that keeps looping. And so it continues to activate our nervous system, which is then going to affect our health. And a lot of autoimmune that we see is coming from a constant activation of the nervous system. Your fight or flight response is an emergency management system. It's designed to turn on when there's a threat and turn off when there's no longer a threat. But if the memory keeps activating it, it keeps turning on, right, and stays on sometimes. So that's what happened to my wife. So she ended up with Hashimoto's, you know, which is an autoimmune thyroid disorder because her system was constantly being activated and then creating a cortisol rush. Well, that's going to affect her system. It has to. So how do we? So how do we heal this? <laughs> this is where this is where a lot of your work comes in. Because in in essence, would it be safe to assume that the majority of human beings, you know, we've all been through with your definition? I mean, I can't imagine a human who hasn't been through a form of trauma. And one way I've I've heard you talk about it, like a small T trauma. Maybe it's not a big T trauma, like we've often um, correlated that. I've always correlated that word to something really big in my mind. And once I started learning from you and learning more about about well, what we're coming to understand about this today, especially, is that we've all had these experiences in life. So is it safe to assume that everyone we're interacting with is potentially being activated in different ways at different times and potentially even by us, even though that's not 
most hopefully not our intentions that we're just a little bit um i don't know if i would say vulnerable or a little bit raw that our feelings are just exposed yeah it, it was exactly just how you described it and this is why I didn't make any sense to me when I first met my wife. I knew she had a very traumatic childhood and I didn't. So when I say I got bumped a little bit, I had some of those little emotional concussions, but nothing like my wife was suffering from. And so if I said something like, no, I don't like that, my wife could tear up. And it wasn't making any sense to me because she'd say, why are you getting upset with me? And I would be like, I didn't say anything about being upset. Now, what I didn't understand at that time until I really developed this program is that if I had this little tiny tension in my voice, maybe from frustration of something else earlier in the day, and it still had a hanging around a little bit, people who have been traumatized as children have a super sensitive response to sound. They're highly sensitive to sounds. So when I would say, no, I don't like that, what she was hearing was, no, I don't like that. It sounded like I was yelling. So she wasn't wrong and I wasn't wrong, right? So she was hearing what she was hearing. I couldn't hear it if you paid me, right? You could have recorded me and said, you see how, how you sounded to her? I'd go, no, I still don't hear it. But she could hear it. And what I now understand is that as a child, she had learned to listen very, very carefully to the way her father spoke because she had to learn to recognize when that little tension was building because the earlier she could pick it up, the safer she could be. So she could hear the slightest change of inflection in my voice and that became a threat or an activator to her nervous system. I'm not, yes, I am nodding because I experienced this with my partner, where my fiance, where I, he will say something in a certain way and I will hear attention that he swears he's not including in his tone. And he doesn't, he's not intending it and you can't not hear it. Oh my goodness. (laughs) So can you see where now for a couple, right, that that's going to create and then what can happen is then you could activate something in him because then you start saying, attacking him, not attacking him, but you start accusing him of saying something that he doesn't believe he said. Yes. You know, and it could, yeah. And it could easily, like even for my wife and I would say, she'd say, well, you're getting upset. And I go, no, I'm not. She'd go, yes, you are. And I go, well, now I'm getting upset. (laughs) (laughs) You're accusing me. That's how it goes. Yes. And, And so then that can end up creating another problem. So the key is to then, instead of managing and coping and living with that, we need to fix it so that your system doesn't get activated by that kind of, you know, kind of response. Yes. And so it can dial it down a lot. So how do we begin to do that? And how, um, with the work that you created, I know that is one of your primary focuses. It's just to help as many, I believe I've heard you say, you'd love to help as many people as you can to, oh, yes. to find some peace with this, to... Um, I don't know what language you prefer, if it is like a form of healing or just even having aware, beginning to have awareness is already a process of healing, right? Recognizing these moments in your own life. Exactly. And, th- and that's why, yeah, as you know, you've gone through the program. 
the first couple of hours, we're just talking about the research and, and science and everything, because once you understand that this is not that complicated, right, it's actually just a series of glitches and error messages that your, your mind is like a computer. It's building up codes. And because it's experienced life a certain way, it's developed a series of codes. All we have to do is just go in and reboot the system. And so when people come into me, they say, well, I've got really bad anxiety. And I'll say, well, no, you, that's a symptom. That's not what you have. The anxiety is responding to something. What is creating the anxiety? Right? It's not, anxiety is not there just because you have it. You don't catch it like a cold. Right? It's, it's responding to something. Same thing with anger. Same thing with fear. So your mind is actually calling for action. Anxiety is a call for an action. Do something about something. Now, if there's something actually happening, then it makes sense to have an emotion. So, you know, fear is not useless. Fear has a, a great benefit if there's somebody threatening you. But if you're thinking about somebody who hurt you when you were 10 and you feel your, your heart pounding in your chest when you try to talk about it, that's because your mind thinks that they're hurting you now. It's seeing that memory in real time. It's just, I'm like, why didn't we know about this? <laughs> I'm like, why didn't anyone tell me this? I know books have been written in the past, but it just explains so much because, you know, as an entrepreneur, um, as artists, we tend to be very in tune with our feelings. We, we need to really, I believe, to express the kind of work we do in any medium that we choose to work in. And, and simultaneously, you know, just we, I found myself running into patterns again and again and again, and, and feeling activated by similar circumstances and just reaching a point where I had resolved other areas of my business journey or my art journey. And then I thought, but what's happening here? Why does this continue to happen? Which is really what what brought me back into learning and then basically obsessively, obsessively learning now as much right. as I can, not only because we live an amazing time, we can do this, but as I was sharing with you before we started recording on behalf of the people, I have the opportunity to mentor and guide. And, you know, I want us all to find our peace with, with what's happening because it comes up often in the work that we do and uh, with women, especially wanting to grow a business, perhaps, or really trust themselves as an artist, or even trust themselves as a business owner at different seasons of their life. And um, it's a, it's really, it's, I'm very passionate about it. I don't, I think I may have lost my point other than why do we not know about this? And I guess it doesn't <laughs> matter because now we do. <laughs> so. Well, that's why I love, you know, who your audience is, because your audience is actually people who are very creative and artistic have actually had a lot of injuries. Yeah. So they found a way to express what they're feeling. So they do it through their art. You see it a lot with actors as well, right? They're very good in getting into characters, right? Because they've experienced some pain and they can then translate that pain into an acting experience. Um, and then, you know, same thing for you with artists, right? They're really trying to find a way to deal with that pain. And so they can express it that way. So our program doesn't stop that because you, your experience is still your experience. What we're 
aiming to do is to stop the dysregulation that it's creating, right? Um, so we don't get you, we're not erasing memory. All we're really doing is trying to allow your mind to keep it all in perspective. Is there truly a threat now? No. So if there's no threat now, we don't need to be responding to a threat. But you can still use those experiences for your creativity. Yes. Have you found this to be true, obviously, working with creatives? And is this probably why artists have unfortunately gotten so many stereotypes around maybe not being great at business? I personally try to, we're we're correcting all of those because it's not true. Um, or being highly sensitive. I was always called highly sensitive as a child. And, um, you know, I chose to adopt that as a strength and see that as a strength in others for the reasons you said, you know, we're able to take those feelings and turn it into something beautiful. Or, you know, my partner, my fiance is a writer and a, and a comedy improviser. <laughs> so really? <Awesome>. yes, <laughs> we're, we're a dynamic household and we do, you know, we talk a lot about comedy and how we see how comedians in essence are able to take really challenging topics many times and bring a sense of humor, lightness, you know, a truth to the storytelling. It's, it's pretty powerful. Um, but you have definitely found this to be true that the majority of us, would you say, have been through maybe a little bit more trauma than most or? Absolutely. Yep. So people who've been traumatized are, are what I call super sensitives. They're very sensitive to other people. They're very sensitive to pain. They're very sensitive to other people's pain, right? So they're the kinds of people that are there to help all the time. They want to help everybody. Yes. Um, they want to save the world, uh-huh. right? Because, <laughs> right? Yeah, because they're, they've experienced that pain and so they can understand it better. And then the way they express, because they don't know uh, until you went through the program, nobody had really explained. This is what I hear all the time. I didn't know why I was constantly feeling these emotions. I was thinking that there's something, you know, wrong, you know, or I've got post-traumatic stress or I've got this or all these labels that we slap on everybody. And really what they're doing is they're just describing symptoms. So no matter what, that's all a symptom of something. So all we need to do is to get to the root of what is causing that symptom. And then we can then address that. Once we get to the root of it, we can, we can literally reboot the computer. So if every time you hit your M key, your computer shut off, right? there's nothing wrong with your computer. It got a coding error. But if you took your computer to a computer therapist, your computer therapist would say, whatever you do, don't touch the M key. <laughs> Stay away from M's, right? <laughs> don't write any words with M's. Your poor fiance could have to write all comedy without any M's. <laughs> Impossible to do. Yeah. So the idea is, is all we have to figure out is what code got overridden to then shut that computer off and rewrite the code. And then it goes back to being an M. So tell us, tell us um, more about your program and how you came to do this work. And in part, it was due to your experience with your wife and wanting to support her and other members of your family. And so how have you come to this point in your career and work with, with trauma and awareness and rebooting and all of the things? 
Well, it was sort of fascinating because I grew up, and I talk about this all the time, I grew up in this idyllic childhood. Um, I didn't understand it was idyllic at the time. I just assumed that everybody had my parents. These are parents that never yelled, never raised their voice, never hit us. They were the most nurturing, calm people you could ever meet. So I just assumed that that was normal, that all my friends were living like that, because I wouldn't see the dysfunction going on in their house. I didn't realize how many of my friends were dealing with physical, emotional, and sexual abuse. So I just sort of skated through life. And I played hockey, so I wasn't a kid that was going to get bullied. I could protect myself, and I could stand up and fight. So I wasn't a target. And uh, I had a mom that was at every single sporting event I ever played at. So I had a very strong presence around all the time. And my parents became the safe place. So my home was very safe for me. Wow. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, nice. I, know. I don't know if I know that many people. <laughs> There's not a lot. Oh. Uh, so when I met my wife, I realized very quickly that she did not live in the same kind of house I did. She had a very dysfunctional father. And so there was all this fear and tension in the house. And I was just like, wow, this is unusual. <laughs> I thought she was the anomaly. I didn't realize, I guess I'm not kidding. I really, truly believe that that was unusual, but that was not unusual. It was typical. And so she was living in fear. And so I thought we got married very young. So I thought, okay, she's going to come and live with me. She's going to be out of that household and everything will calm down. And it didn't. I would continue to activate her nervous system by just the slightest sound or so, or saying something or doing something or say, oh, I'm thinking about maybe we could do this or we're going to buy a house. All the fears in her would come up and then that would just activate her nervous system. Now, she's high functioning. So if you had met her, you wouldn't have seen it. Right? So it's not like she was dysfunctional in any way, but she was struggling with that fear all the time. And no matter what I did, no matter how I said it, I couldn't fix it. And then when my daughter was 14, she was diagnosed with Crohn's. And um, when she then developed another autoimmune called idiopathic pulmonary hemosiderosis, which is another autoimmune where the the lungs would just, the iron buildup in the blood would then just release the blood in the lungs. And so she could literally choke to death oh my goodness. on that. So that was really when my wife said, you know, you've got to figure this out. Because I was adopted, so we didn't know my family history. So we assumed that this must be either hereditary or they told us with Crohn's, you've got to take her off of dairy and gluten. So everything was all around managing the system. Nobody was ever telling us how to fix it. And so that's what really led me to start realizing that I believe that a lot of these autoimmune issues are coming from unresolved trauma that continues to loop. And when we have unresolved trauma, that creates inflammation in the body. The inflammation then compromises the immune system and compromises the neurotransmitters. So if you have that combination of an immune system compromised and a neurotransmitter system compromised, you're going to be getting sicker and feeling sick because both are compromised. And so if you've got both that, you're going to go typically to you know, a doctor and they're going to prescribe medication right, to try to help balance your neurotransmitters how, or how to bring down inflammation, which was going to be steroids. And that was sort of what 
my daughter was given. It was a steady dose of steroids and medications to try to deal with it and manage it. So once we sort of got to the resolution that there's a um, issue going on by the trauma continuing to loop, which kept the cells in a cell danger response. The purpose of a cell, so genetically, it's going to go to the weakest genetic link in the system. So for my daughter, it was in her intestinal area. So there was where the weak link was, the inflammation, the cell danger response went into that area. In the cell danger response, the cells become inflamed and hardened. The purpose of that is to protect the system from anything penetrating the actual cell. So nothing's getting into the cell, but nothing's getting out of the cell. And it's a temporary pause until the danger passes. Now, that makes sense if there's a current danger. The problem for the human mind is the danger continues to loop. So the cell danger response stayed active. So for my daughter, that Crohn's was continually staying active because the cells were staying in that cell danger response because the danger hadn't passed, because her mind kept on looping through it. Once we got to resolving the trauma, the inflammation went down, the neurotransmitters came back online, the immune system came back online. Perfectly designed system. Does that make sense? Yes. I mean, yes. It's a, It's just, it's so fascinating. How, and so how were you able to start to piece this together? Just seeing as so many people that I was talking to who had dealt with trauma. And when I'd go back, then they would, they would say, well, I have IBS, I have Crohn's, right? I had, you know, all the different autoimmune stuff that started showing up was like, that's not a coincidence that all these people who have autoimmune have trauma. And so, they're, and they're not fixing it, they're managing it. Yes. So were your... Was your daughter and then also your wife the first people that you worked with in the capacity that you now do your work? Or how did that begin for you? Not really. So I started really working, you know, with really developing the program and working with different people to sort of see and started seeing almost instantly people feeling better and hadn't necessarily seen yet all of the, because you're not going to know that a uh, you know, something like Crohn's has gone away immediately, right? But then all of a sudden, it was after my daughter went through the program, we realized there's no other Crohn's coming up. And she had a cyst formed on her ovary. And when she went in for that operation, um, when they removed the cyst, the doctor came in and he said, I'm confused because your chart says you have Crohn's. And she says, yeah, I have Crohn's. And he says, but I operated. There's no evidence of any Crohn's. Wow. And she says, well, yeah, I haven't had a flare-up in a while. He says, but you're not on the medication for Crohn's. She goes, no, I'm not taking any medication. And he said to her, he goes, well, I hate to tell you this. He says, you've never had Crohn's. She goes, no, I've had four <laughs> resections done, right? She goes, I know I've had Crohn's. And he says, well, Crohn's doesn't go away. So I explained to him that I believe that it was this trauma that kept it active. And when we got to resolution of the trauma, Right? That allowed the, the immune system, right, the inflammation to come down, the cells to come out of the cell danger response, and then everything started working again. And he says, that's impossible. He goes, if that was true, you'd have a Nobel Peace Prize. I says, then tell me what Crohn's is. 
He says, Crohn's is a lifelong debilitating disease with no known cure. And I said, I disagree. I think Crohn's is just inflammation. And the inflammation was a response, I believe, to the trauma that kept repeating. Now, that makes no sense to them because that's not what they're trained in, right? Yeah. Um, but it makes perfect sense to me. Yes. Well, and you had an example right there. You had a perfect example. Yeah. <laughs> And I, just to clarify without, I don't want to delve into anything that's private, but I believe I heard you share that this was a trauma with your daughter that you weren't aware had yes. happened. So it wasn't something within your home environment. It was something outside of that. And it was through the illnesses that you came to understand what was maybe the cause of it initially. Yes. Right. So we didn't know about, about that. And then it wasn't until she was 16, she disclosed it to us but we still had made the connection oh, wow. so she was still dealing with the health issues and it wasn't until I really started doing the research and I said you know not only my daughter and my wife but all these other people I'm meeting are all having the same kinds of issues so that's got to be coming from the same source and so then that's what made me start researching okay why is our mind doing that and so I start from the premise, as you know, from everybody. I say, there's nothing wrong with anybody. Everybody's mind is responding for a particular reason. We just need to figure it out um, and get to the root of it and then just get that addressed. Yeah, that's a really beautiful approach because certainly we can start to turn inward and think, you know, such a terrible phraseology of feeling kind of broken or how will we fix ourselves and it's really a part of the human condition and we're, we're just coming to understand new ways of approaching it. Um, exactly. You know, even people in addiction, is just another, you know, when addiction, all the shame and guilt that they use for people in addiction. And what I say is there's nothing wrong with you. So I had, um, if you go on our testimonials, you'll see Michelle, she was 17 years in addiction and she shares her story very openly. I mean, she was on everything you can imagine. And the first thing she does when she sits down with me, um, I said to her, I said, there's nothing wrong with you, Michelle. I said, you've had a lot of trauma in your life. She goes, well, how do you know? I, said, I can hear it in your voice. I can hear the trauma, the shakiness in the voice. And she says, yeah, I've had a lot of trauma. And I says, what you found is a way to manage that trauma, which was to basically numb, numb yourself. So... That says nothing about your character, willpower, morals, or ethics. That's human behavior to want to stop pain. And so I had a lady who would come in who had been on heroin. And she said to me, she goes, I, I told my therapist I was coming to see you. And he told me that I have to be honest with you and let you know up front that I have self-destructive behavior. And I just smiled at her and I said, really, what would make you think you're self-destructive? And she looks at me and she says, well, I'm sticking a needle with heroin in my arm. Don't you think that's self-destructive? And I said something to her she'd never heard before. I said, no, I don't think that's self-destructive. I think you're trying to feel better. And I bet you when you stuck the needle in your arm, you felt better. Now, the substance you're using is destructive, but you're not destructive. So let's just get to what has caused this pain to, that you found this resource to stop the pain. When we resolve the pain, you don't need that resource anymore. It's that simple. And so how do you begin to discover what the root cause is, especially if you have many different memories that, that may activate 
How do you begin to un- unravel that or piece that what's puzzle am- together? What, yeah, what's amazing is, is the, the mind and body are designed to heal. They always have been. What's interfering with that healing is if you're in a constant state of fight or flight because of this memory activation, what's going to happen is the mind is not going to, the brain and the mind are not going to do maintenance. They're going to do minimal maintenance. If you're being chased by a lion and you're running on jagged rocks and bare feet, you will not feel the pain because maintenance isn't the priority. Survival is a priority. You will be running as fast as you possibly can because all the power that you're required is for escape, not for maintenance. So if that loop keeps looping, activating your nervous system to continue to run from the lion to have hurt you in your life, how much maintenance is getting done? Very little. I've been healthy my entire life. I've never had trauma. I've lived in Florida for 30 years, never gone to the doctor. I don't get sick. Um, And why? Because my system gets maintenance done. It's really just that simple. And so a lot of people who have had a lot of pain, a lot of trauma, are not getting much maintenance done. So now it starts showing up in health symptoms. Yes, I also went through, I was sharing with you, fertility journey and cystitis, which is like a, an irritable bladder, not pleasant at all. And I chose at the time, it's already been about 15 years, but I chose to go with more alternative healing through acupuncture and diet and herbs. And, and we found a way through it, but the practitioner I went to was very knowledgeable and said, you know, there's a, there's a pattern that I see in the women that I treat with this. And just having that recognition of this may be connected, you know, to your mind and things that you've been through growing up. And um, then there's been fibroids. It's like all seated in this one area of my body. And other than that, I, I'm always been quote unquote healthy, but that as I was sharing with you, these were those moments where I thought, wow, this, there's no way that I can correlate this to anything in particular. You know, there has to be more to what's happening with me in these different areas. And I, I end up feeling thankful for that because it's led me to so much inner work and understanding and wanting to bring this knowledge forth. And, um, it's just, how so? Okay, so how do we get you to everyone? <laughs> <laughs> well, you're just talking about the fertility. It's really interesting because there's yeah. a, a a gentleman who same thing. He went through our program a few years ago, and him and his wife weren't weren't able to get um, pregnant. So anyway, he they would going through uh, doing some fertility. They were looking at examining, doing all these different options, right? To to do that. And it turned out it was him that was the issue, not her. And anyway, he was actually doing a lot of the um, coding for us and putting the program together and our whole online program. So he watched those audios and videos over and over and over again. He now has two children. They did nothing with the with the fertility. And he says, the only thing that I did was this. <laughs> he says, 
So I don't know. We're not claiming any cure to anything, <laughs> right? But we've got so many different stories and evidence of people whose lives have changed, you know, because, and, and again, I'm not doing anything miraculous. All I'm really doing is getting the nervous system to regulate. And when the nervous system regulates, then it goes back online. So for you, maybe your weakest genetic link was in the bladder area. So it showed up there for you. For my daughter, it was intestinal area. Yeah. My wife was thyroid, right? So it's all going to show up in different areas. Yes. So you, through the process of creating this work, obviously, I mean, we all want to come in and sit with you in person. <laughs> you, right. you cannot do that with everyone you would like to help. So you've also created an online program to take people through this process, if you'd like to talk more about that. And I know specifically, and I was just telling you, I did have a breakthrough year this year. I had gone through your program and uh, just at the start of the pandemic, which probably was a blessing because I didn't feel that I had taken this year as hard as maybe I could have. I just kind of turned the I turned everything that was happening into fuel for creating more and I just ran with it. Awesome. And it it really has been an incredibly transformative year for me. And um so I thank you as as being a part of all of that as well and I just I I felt like Every person that could, uh, if we could have a required human experience, uh, please go through this program. You know, it's a, a if if at all, it's a beautiful starting point to begin this journey. Because before you share uh, quickly more about that, I imagine do people still feel a sense of shame around this or feel hesitancy kind of opening up about their experiences and well the great part about this is as you know after going through the program even if i sit down one-on-one -on -one, i don't need a lot of detail in fact i don't need any yeah. details about you know, I've i've done um large groups of people and taking them through the program at the same time well obviously nobody's going to stand up there and want to start talking about you know some of the traumas that they experience so as you know I can take people through the program and nobody, including me, knows what the trauma was. Right. Um, I mean, that's what's so um, kind of special and unique about it is that you can do this from the privacy of your home. Yep. You know, just by yourself, you can kind of go inward with this experience, but it also feels very gentle. Um, it's, it's very gentle. It's not something, I, what I was meaning to ask is really, I think, I sense, I think I was for a while, even though I, I can't say that there's like this big thing that I remember. I think I just normalized a lot of different things that happened to me, but yeah. I certainly have felt hesitancy as I started to explore this more about, oh, what if something comes up, you know, that I didn't remember? Or what if I unpack all of this um, painful memory and how will I resolve that I sense this fear and hesitation from people but I could also be projecting that myself and this is such a gentle um, approach to you know rebooting your system in essence yeah and 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 that's why that's what people love about it so there's no real so even for um, my wife when I first met her and she started disclosing some of the traumas that she had had she swore me to secrecy 
I could never tell anybody about it, right? And I was like, but I don't understand why. She goes, well, people will judge me. People will judge my family. And I said, I'm not judging you. She'd go, well, yeah, but you're different. And I was like, really? And I said, I always told her, I said that one day I really believed that what she'd experienced and what my daughter experienced was going to have a major impact on other people that we were going to be able to, not that I ever wanted my wife and daughter to go through what they went through, but based on what they've experienced, they, it's them, it's their experiences that built this program, right? I was just a conduit for it because I never would have done this had it not been for them. I had no reason to do it. I just assumed that everybody should be just fine. <laughs> Why wouldn't you be fine? Right? Because, but I hadn't experienced their lives. And until I did this work, I had no understanding of what people had been living with. And so they're truly the heroes in it. They're the ones who really helped me figure out how to do it. And so when people are going through this kind of stuff, all that shame and guilt, and even during it, and that's why the program was developed to be so peaceful and loving and not having to sit there and relive a whole bunch of traumas. So I have three different ways to do it. One, if they want to talk about it, they can give me a, a two-minute description, a highlight reel of something they experienced. Or we can do it just all visually. So I have no idea. They're going to see it, but I take them through the techniques to get their mind to reset it. Or three, I have them tell me in a new language. The new language is flowing. And there's only one word in the flowing language, and it's flowing. So instead of saying, I walked into the room, you would say flowing, flowing, flow. Every word's flowing. So the idea behind that is that you're still having to go into memory to even say flowing. Once you're bringing up that data, that information, that memory uh, data, we can then get it to reset. So my wife used flowing with me, right? So it just shows you that even for her sitting with me, who she's got the closest relationship with, it was still easier for her to not have to disclose that. And I'm fine with whichever way people want to do it. And as I always say, people say, well, you know, why don't you want to know? And I said, because that would just be curiosity. Curiosity doesn't help you, right? So I'm not curious as to what happened. I just want to heal it. So, but I'm more than happy if you want to share it. So I've had people who've had some very serious stuff who say, I I'd just rather talk about it. And I go, okay, we can do that too. So it's whatever way you want to do it. But I realized that I'm only one person, so I'm not going to be able to help as many people just as myself. So that's why I developed the digital online version of it. So it's the same program, except instead of you having an interaction with me, I take you through the whole process just digitally online. And for really high-functioning people right, who could do that, like you said, in the privacy of your own home, we've had amazing success. And, and my wife, who's my biggest fan, even she said, when I said, I'm going to do this, she goes, you really think that's going to work? Like, is it the same as being, you know, one-on-one -on -one with you? And I said, it's really the book and the movie, right? If you read the book, right, which is a one-on-one -on -one with me, you go see the movie, you'll go, oh, it wasn't quite as good, right? But if you just went to the movie, right, you can love the movie and it's just as effective. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really incredible um, that that you've been able to create this through through all of these experiences. And where have you seen the 
like when you're, when people are going through the program themselves, what are some of the examples of transformations that you've heard back from them? Just some amazing stuff. I, again, I work with athletes. I love working with athletes. Um, so we had Marco Cicetto, who is a double amputee, lost both his legs to frostbite. He's a runner from Kenya, marathon runner. He went through our program and they called me because they said, we really think he's got potential, you know, as, a, as a, an Olympic hopeful, but he sort of plateaued in his training. So when he came in to see me, um, this was in February of 2019, I took him through the program and I said, what happens is when we release this trauma, we actually increase the ATP, the mitochondria, the energy in the cells that has been held back because the mind's in this threat response. So I didn't make Marco a faster runner. He always had the same ability. But Marco went through our program nine days later, ran in the first race. It took 15 seconds per mile off his time, which is huge at that level. And then a few weeks later in 2019, he ran, ran in the Boston Marathon and he broke the world record. He's now the world record holder for amputees and marathons and then broke his own world record in another race a few months later in the Chicago Marathon by five minutes and got signed by Nike. So he's now a Nike athlete. And so all of that came about because his mind was able to stay present when he ran. That increased the amount of power that he had available to him. And so I've seen that in business. So people who have been... You know, their business struggling to get off the ground or they've been having you know issues with um, being able to focus. Uh, we've seen people, one lady in particular who was already the top sales agent in her organization, it was a real estate company, um, triple her sales over a couple of years. And, and she didn't have big T trauma. So again, what it was is she said to me, I feel like I'm living in a world of sharks. She goes, it's a very competitive industry. She goes, I'm a female. And she says, and I feel like I can't be really who I want to be. She says, I'm a very caring, loving person. She says, but I'm afraid to be vulnerable. So she says, I put on this air of I'm tough and strong. And she says, and that's just not who I am. And so, you know, but obviously it worked very well for her. She was still the top agent. After getting to that, and she said she noticed it very quickly, how she was responding differently to people, and it allowed her to be true to herself, and that is where she then started. She had another gear. She didn't know that gear was available, and as soon as we released what she needed, she was able to reach that next level of performance. Yeah, talk a little bit about, I know that you really view this this program, you know, from a performance standpoint of really helping people, um, will you describe it? You put it in your words of how you see this, like less about quote unquote, resolving a trauma, but really accessing those incredible parts of you that maybe you just haven't quite been able to access before. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, a great example of that is I had a lady come in and for the first 15 minutes, she sat there describing everything that had happened to her and in quite a bit of detail. And when she was finished, I said to her, I said, do you have anything else? And she was, so she looked at me, she goes, well, that was a lot, don't you think? And I said, oh, that was a lot. 
I says, however, for the last 15 minutes, I've learned a lot about what happened to you, but I haven't learned anything about you. So let's start talking about you now. See, she'd identified that that's who she was. And I said, no, that's just what happened to you. I said, so they have, all those events and experiences have created a whole bunch of meanings, the way your mind works, creates meanings to this. What does it mean about me? You know, I'm a victim, I'm weak, right? I'm gullible, whatever that is. And that's not necessarily true. So the idea is, is to get all that looping of all those events and experiences out of the way so you can find, just like this lady had found, that she had another gear. She could do that. And that's why I say there's nothing wrong with anybody. I sat in a conference one time and there was a speaker up there and he was one of these speakers that would get you like laughing and then crying and then laughing and crying, going up and down, up and down. And this poor woman sitting beside me just constantly in tears, right? And I said to her, I says, I, uh, I said, you're uh, crying a lot. She goes, yes, I'm just a very emotional person. And I said, yeah, I can see that. I said, how would you like to fix that? She goes, well, I've always been emotional. I says, I can imagine you've had a lot of trauma. She goes, oh, you have no idea how much trauma I've had. I said, well, I have a pretty good idea because I've been watching you cry for a few hours. (laughs) And so I took her through the program and it completely changed her life. And it, it, it just allowed her to stay present. And that's just stuff that happened to her, but it kept activating her nervous system. So when this speaker would talk about something, a flood of information would come in about something that had happened to her. And that's why her mind would then create a response to it. And you're, you're not really fully aware that that's happening, right? You just, you're thinking it's what's directly in front of you that is yeah. bringing that forth. Yeah, people have no idea why they're experiencing that. They just think that there's something you know, wrong, right? Well, I'm just very sensitive or, you know, I'm emotional, whatever the, or I get very angry. Um, And the reason being is because the mind is pulling in a whole bunch of information about times you've been hurt and it's responding to it in real time. Hollywood has made trillions of dollars from this. They can convince us that a movie is real. And that's why we get emotional when we go to movies. It's not the movie's real. It's just people playing characters but your mind doesn't know that because it sees it as real and so it's creating responses to it so your conscious mind your logical reasonable part of your mind is saying oh that's leonardo dicaprio he's playing in another movie called titanic and your subconscious mind goes jack's gonna drown (laughs) 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 and now we're sad because we're gonna lose jack right that's the difference between your conscious and subconscious. Oh my goodness. I, yeah, I continue to just be speechless about how this has been operating within us. And, um, and even to your point about uh, the throat, that that is often, that can be a tell if there's tension in the throat um, with people as well. That's definitely something I've experienced a ton where it'll just crack around something particular that I'm saying. And a lot of people who have thyroid issues, right, are coming from trauma as a child. And the common theme is they lost their voice. They couldn't speak up. Mm -hmm. That happened to my wife. She was traumatized by a father that 
nobody in the family could stand up to. So you couldn't tell anybody, you couldn't talk about it, you couldn't share it. That's why even with me, it was so difficult for her to talk about. And that's why she swore me to secrecy. Because if anybody knew about it and asked her about it, she would break down. Mm-hmm. If she had to try to talk about it, she would break down. So of course she doesn't want to talk about it. So she tells me, like, but like I'm telling you about it, let's put it in a little box, close the box, lock it up, bury it, right? And not have to, because I don't want to deal with this. Now she'll talk to you about it. No problem. Because it's not activating her nervous system anymore. And that is a one sign that you have transformed it, that it doesn't create as much emotion when you think about it. As you said, it's not so much that the you're not erasing memories or taking experiences out of your life. You're just deactivating. The response to what your mind's trying. Now it's just information. Yeah. So I worked with a lady. This is a great example. I worked with a lady and she was a coach, a women's coach, very successful, did very well. And when I sat down with her, she said to me, she goes, she has, I have imposter syndrome. She goes, I feel like an imposter. She says, I'm coaching all these women and telling them how to turn their lives around and what they should be doing. She says, but I've had all this trauma and I never talk about it. She says, because if I start to talk about it, I'll break down. And she says, if I start breaking down, what kind of a coach am I? Right? So she says, but I feel like I'm not being honest and true. She says, but I, there's no way I could talk about it with these women because I would just start, just like my wife would be. She'd be crying. So anyway, we took her through the program, cleared all of this trauma up. I saw her three months later at another conference. And she came up to me and she says, I want to share something with you. She says, I was doing a retreat. And she says, and I was about 15 minutes into this talk at this retreat, and I realized I had just shared intimate details about my trauma, and I wasn't crying. And she says, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, that's exactly what she wanted to be able to do, and she couldn't do that before because it would have activated her nervous system. Incredible. Yes, yeah. imposter syndrome is something many artists also <laughs> deal with. This is a key phrase that comes up again and again. Who am I to be creating this work? Is it good enough? And we're always yep. working towards healing it, resolving it, trusting you know our journey as artists and yep. feeling that if you're called to do something, there's a good chance that you're meant to do it. But how do we you know, how do we really get out of our own way? Um, Especially coming back to the performance side of this, if we're looping these various experiences without really being aware of it, how do we begin to do that? And one of the questions I have for you is, how do you know if you're choosing the quote unquote right memory? Or is it just one? Doesn't matter. Yeah, And that's a great part about it. People will say, well, what if I do this wrong? I say, you can't do it wrong. If you just bring up a memory, it could be the biggest one. It could be the smallest one. It doesn't matter. Once we start the process, um, we like I said, when I work one-on-one with somebody, I generally work on two to three memories. That's it. And then the mind then starts to heal everything else, which is incredible. And I, I had a lady, I think I shared that in the online program, that she had had really bad sexual abuse as a child. And she, um, we did three different events. She says to me, well, we're going to be here all night because I have a lot of these. And I said, we don't need to do any more. We've done three. She goes, don't we have to go through each one and clear each one? And I said, no, 
I said, your mind now has this process. So once you go to sleep tonight, you'll go into a theta brainwave sleep, which is where your mind, where you dream and your mind processes. And so she says, even if we haven't talked about it. And I said, yes. And so I ran into her just by chance at a store about a month later. And she came up to me and she says, I want to share something with you. She goes, those three events that we did, she says, I never even talked to my husband about them. And she says, and I went home after our session and I talked to him about it as calmly as I'm talking to you. She goes, that was a major breakthrough in my life. She says, but I'll be honest with you. She says, I didn't believe you that my mind would clear all the others. And she says, but I was at Universal Studios with my daughter and my husband, and I was riding on the escalator, and I was looking over the railing. And my daughter said to me, goes, Mom, look at what you're doing. And she goes, I never told you I had a fear of heights. We never even discussed it, and it's gone. So whatever event created the fear of heights got processed and the mind doing its sweep. It's incredible. It is. It's incredible. So how can someone listening, um, what are all the ways that they can work with you or learn more about the work that you do? I know you mentioned books. I certainly highly recommend your online program. Um, You do do some in-person sessions or, and, or also group sessions as well, right? Is that, or is that sure. still happening too? So there's a couple of different ways we can do it. One, um, you could do one-on-one with me either through Zoom or come to Orlando and uh, take you through the process or two, um, you can do the online digital version of it. So it's the same four hours uh, that you go through. You know, people said, well, what if I go through the online and I really want then after still come and see you? We'll only charge the difference between the two. We won't add it on again. Um, but most people, the online program, once they've gone through it, you know, they're, they're pretty good. Some people just want to come and experience it one-on-one. Mm-hmm. So we're good either way. Or we can do the group. And so we can do the online either Zoom, uh, one-on-one Zoom or in person, or you can just do the digital online on, on your own or in a group. And if you're doing a group, are you typically doing that for business organizations or is it any group that chooses to come together and says, yes, we want to do this as, as a group together? Um, we can do it. Mostly it's business uh, where I'll go in and do a group, but I've also done families where a family will decide that, you know, you know, can we all do it at the same time together? Absolutely. So if everybody's okay with doing it, nobody has to share their trauma. So I, I had a family that came in. There were five of them, three kids and a mother and father. I took them through the whole program at the same time. And the, the poor father, it was so, he was so stressed out because he was thinking about all of them. Like he really wanted them to heal. And um, it absolutely worked. He was just, and he was a skeptic. And he just basically said, you know, I've been told I need to do this, but I'm just not sure. And he says, and, you know, you can do it all at once. He says, I'll, I'll, I'll try it. We'll see what happens. And especially his daughter, who had the biggest uh, trauma, he said she was a, it was a driving thing where she had trouble driving. And that's when he realized how big an impact it had. She was able now to drive with no problem at all. So, yeah. So, so we can do that. Sometimes families, I've done it. Um, you know, for a company company bringing me in or so there's a number of different ways or just even a group. You know, I've done this in, uh, in situations where we have a 
people dealing with addiction. So I'll go in and do it for a whole group of people dealing with addiction. Well, and you mentioned the skeptical side of like, can it be that simple? I know. (laughs) That's what people say all the time. Can it be that simple? (laughs) And you found that it can. I mean, I'm sure there's a part of our brains as well with what we've experienced, you know, that we, we maybe want to make things harder than they need to be create more struggle around it because I know some people will go, you know, to therapy sessions for years and not necessarily feel that it's helping them resolve those same issues. And um, I know there are different modalities and a place for everything, but this feels um, incredibly, I mean, it's, it's almost astounding what's possible with the word. It is, it is. And, you know, therapy is really great when you're dealing with current stress. That's what I think where therapy really comes in. So if you're dealing in a current situation, a relationship issue, or, you know, something that is happening, you know, a business issue or whatever, therapy can be good to have somebody to just to talk it through. So I'm not against therapy. I'm, I'm a therapist. Yeah. But (laughs) the trauma, (laughs) right. The trauma is different. That has to be dealt with. If you deal with trauma with through traditional therapy, it just takes too long. Um, This is fast, you know, and if you watch Rebecca Gregory from the Boston marathon, she suffered for five and a half years with post-traumatic stress, heard about the program and just watch her testimonial. She says it in her testimonial. She said, I heard about your program and it sounded too good to be true. She goes, but I was desperate. I have nightmares every night. Mm. And she said that I had no other solution. She said, I've been through all the therapy, did everything, but nothing was resolving it. And she says, within four hours, it was gone. Incredible. And she says, it sounded too good to be true. And I, and I hear that all the time. But that's what I talk about is that the mind and body are designed to heal. And the traditional approach that they've been taking is to manage it. And I said, well, that didn't work for my wife and daughter. So there has to be another way to do it. Yes. And, and that's really what we developed. It's a better, faster way to do it. Yes. It's, again, <laughs> again, I'm like, it's so, um, it's just so wonderful that these tools are becoming available. And if, and that you have put, this kind of work into the world and that you're taking time like you have today so generously to share more about it. Uh, If somebody is like brand new, they've just come across this podcast and they really haven't thought about their life experience through this lens, what would be the best place for them to start to ease into understanding more? I think really go to um, the testimonials on our site because you'll see a cross section of, you know, people. You'll see people who are high level, high performing athletes, CEOs, executives, all the way down to people struggling with addiction, Um, veterans, you know, who have gone through the program. And you'll see they'll talk about it. And these are people that never met me, just came and met me for four hours. That's it. Um, we just had a veteran go through our program about two months ago. Um, he couldn't sleep in the same room with his wife because his uh, post-traumatic stress was so bad that he was just in the middle of the night swinging and kicking and, and going through the house with his gun looking for Taliban. I mean, that's what, how bad it was. He just shared it, almost a two-page testimonial. Who's, he just said it was so bad that he was afraid he was going to hurt the people he loved and not intentionally by any means. Um, 
he went through the program. He says, in four hours, he says, my nightmares are gone. He said, it's incredible. People just can't believe how calm I am. He says, it's almost unimaginable that that can happen in four hours. And I'd never met them. So when he came in, he was actually wearing shorts. I said, his legs were all cut and bruised. I said, what have you been doing? He says, I just wake up and start running. He says, I run into furniture. I fall over furniture. I run into things. He says, because I'm in sheer terror. And so he was so afraid for the safety of his own family. And they're just astounded that that can happen that quickly. So the help is out there. Um, and it's not as difficult and not as painful as everybody thinks. So, yeah. and that's what, that's, what's really exciting about it. And if something does come up, you know, later in life, that is a traumatic experience. Can you revisit this kind of work to bring it through the process so that it doesn't become a loop in the future? Absolutely. And that, that's the one thing that people say about the program, I've got a really bad business model because <laughs> once we fix it, it's fixed. Uh, and then you really have the tools, right? That if you do end up with another trauma, it doesn't mean that you can't come in and I can't help you. You know, yeah. Sometimes I've had that where somebody had a another big trauma and they'll come in, but we'll, we'll get it done just like that yeah. because they've already got the concept down. They know why it's happening, Right. And like I said, if you're dealing with post-traumatic stress or any of those kinds of things, it's coming for a reason. And so that's the biggest demystifier that this is something that, oh, I just have to live with, right? Because of I've been injured and now I have to live with this. Yeah. So I always say, you know, if you went to your dentist with a toothache and your dentist takes out a needle and he puts it in your gum and he numbs it up and he says, do you feel any pain? You say, no. And he says, well, here's a pamphlet on how to live with toothaches. You'd go, I got to find another dentist. <laughs> I want you to fix it or take it out, right? <laughs> yes. Well, and one, one additional question just on, you know, a lot of people sometimes don't feel, allow themselves to feel emotional. So if they're being activated, would it present more as anger? Or how would you know if you're someone that has been really good at suppressing some of that emotion? Um, a lot of times depression is where it shows up. And so when, when somebody comes into me and they say, I'm depressed, I'll ask them, what are you angry about? And they'll say, well, I'm not angry, I'm depressed. And I say, well, depression's anger. Your mind has been calling for an action. It's been trying to get you angry so that you'll do something. But it's asking you to do something about something that doesn't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. So if your mind keeps on whispering in your ear, don't do it don't do it, don't do it, you know, or run away, run away, run away, you know, 10 years ago. Well, can you do it? No. So if your mind keeps calling for you to do it by using the emotion of anger, you don't do it, it shuts down. So depression is the absence of an emotion. You're mm -hmm. not feeling anything mm -hmm. because your mind said it can't get what it's been asking you to do. So it shuts down to protect you. It's not trying to hurt you, it's trying to protect you. When we find out what it's been trying to get you to do, then we get that resolved. The anger goes away, the depression lives. Yeah. And that makes, you know, it's just if your mind wants you to do something that you can't do, you can see where eventually it gets worn out because it keeps asking. So I had a lady who 
had really, really severe depression, uh, had been Baker acted twice because of the suicide attempts mm. or wanting to commit suicide. And when um, she came in, I said to her, I said, bring your husband in because I don't want you driving on your own. And so when she came in, I said to her, I said, what are you angry about? And she says, well, I'm not angry. I'm depressed. And I said, well, your mind has been trying to get you to do something for a long time. What is it your mind? And she looks at her husband and I went, uh-oh, <laughs> I just brought the fox in the hen house. <laughs> and so he didn't pick up on it. And so I said, I said, why don't you go grab a coffee and let us sit and talk for a little while? And, and so anyway, she says, oh, my God. She goes, he makes me feel guilty about everything. She says, I don't have dinner ready on time. The dinner's not hot enough. The house isn't clean enough. She goes, it's constant guilt. She goes, he's not a bad man. He's just not physically abusive or you know but it's just guilt constantly and she was so nice that she would never stand up for herself so she just kept taking it but her mind was trying to get her to go tell him to make dinner tell him <laughs> to do it right if he doesn't like it you fix it you clean the house i'm working you're working it's not my job but she couldn't do that so once we got to that and i said to her i said is he catholic and she goes that's a strange question. He's Catholic. How did you know that? I says, because he probably learned that as a child to use guilt to get what he wanted. He's not intentionally trying to hurt you, but he'd experienced that. So when he came back in, you know, we started explaining to him what had been happening. He was devastated because he goes, oh my gosh. He said, I never wanted to, I didn't realize I was doing that. He goes, but you're right. He goes, that's exactly what I do. He says, but my mom did that to me all the time. It was always guilt about everything to get me to do stuff. And so because he had learned that, he just used it. And he didn't realize he was hurting her with it. And she couldn't stand up to him, right? And so you see how that cycle got built. And all of a sudden now she's depressed because her mind's been trying to get her to do something she couldn't do. Is it similar to anxiety or is that a, a different response? Is anxiety a response in a similar way? More about future, about mm -hmm. worried about something that's going to happen, right? So the anxiety is more an anticipation kind of a thing. Um, and really where it comes in, and this is what I say, is a lot of times anxiety comes in because your mind tries to predict an outcome. And predicting is impossible. You can't predict anything. A great example is I had a lady come in, she had severe, severe anxiety. And I said, your mind is trying, she'd, she'd tell me, I'm going to meet with my boyfriend tonight and I'm going to say this and then he'll say this and then I'll say that and then he'll say this. And I'm like, really? how do you know that? Like you, you're actually scripting an entire conversation that may not go like that. So what would happen is she'd script it and when it went off script, she would then have tremendous anxiety because she was trying to control the way it would go to make her feel safe. And as soon as he changed it, then she would lose it because now she's not following the script. And the script was trying to keep her safe. You're just saying that your fiance does improv, right? Yes. <laughs> Which is the opposite of that, right? Yes. So if he didn't, if he couldn't improvise and he had had a script and then the other person started improvising, what would happen to him? Yeah. He, 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 he panicked. 
Yeah. <laughs> because this is not what I wrote. <laughs> and that's what was happening to her so that's what was creating her anxiety i said you went to predicting it's okay to plan and have a plan on how you'd like to see things maybe go but the key to to, for everybody is to learn to adapt if you can adapt your fiance is perfect for that because improvisation is exactly that you don't know what the other person is going to say but that's okay because then you can then respond and then they respond to your response. That's life. Life is a, a total improv. improv. Yes. there. Uh, I wrote a little ebook years ago because I took class for a year and a half. I loved it. And I thought this is a life philosophy. <laughs> Absolutely. It is. Exactly. All the rules of improv of which there are a few. It's pretty incredible. It's very, yeah, it's very liberating to kind of be without a net and have that trust and, um, yep, and, and allow things to be. I think acceptance is also a very big part of all of this as well. It is what adapting it is. and acceptance and, and, and as you learn through the, through the program, right, it couldn't have happened any other way. Yeah. Because everybody's operating within their own atmospheric conditions, producing their own individual thoughts and they couldn't be any different than they are. Yes. So when you accept that and understand that, right, then that brings about the peace in you. Why did they do that? They did that because that's who they are. That's how they respond based on the way their mind filters through their own set of atmospheric conditions. Yeah, I loved the atmospheric conditions. Yeah. You have some wonderful, um, very gentle as well, simple you know, metaphors where you can really begin to understand this from a very straightforward you know, level that makes so much sense. And, and that's how the subconscious mind communicates. It communicates through stories, symbols, and metaphors. So the whole program was built on communicating to that part of the brain that understands that communication. That's why it works so effectively, because it's communicating in language that the subconscious understands. And when it feels safe, it does restoration. If it doesn't feel safe, it's not going to do restoration. Yeah. I just keep saying wow throughout this whole. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Wood, of course, I love this conversation. I could keep you forever, but I will um, let you get back to your date. So I'll I'll keep talking. (laughs) We wouldn't be able to get, like, we keep going. We'll do an eight hour podcast. The world's longest podcast. (laughs) We'll be, uh, who is it, a Tim Ferriss podcast? Exactly. (laughs) I love those podcasts that go on. I just feel like, oh my goodness, sometimes you get to certain things at a certain point, but I know I will. Pardon? It was, it's like Clubhouse. If you be yeah, Clubhouse, exactly. right? Those go on. All of a sudden you go, oh my gosh, I've been here for three hours. <laughs> yes, they've been a lot of fun. Um, I will for sure, of course, include links everywhere. But if you can just share um, in the audio part. So the best website to find you at is, is uh, www.gettip, which is get, G-E-T-tip, T-I-P-P. That's the name of the program, gettip.com. And then we're, I, we're doing a, a free um, chapter in the book, Emotional Concussions. So you can go and get that if you go to gettip.com slash creative. Then you can download the uh, free uh, chapter of the book, give you a little bit of an idea of how the program works. And it also gives you a discount if you want to do the online program, which is what you did. Um, so you can get the discount to that or even a discount if you want to come and do the one-on-one with me either through Zoom or come into Orlando. 
And if you come to Orlando, you don't have to wear a mask. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know. I'm, I'm, Wondering how this year is going to, um, I don't know, shake out for everyone and what it has brought up for people. I mean, it's certainly been a very enlightening experience. A lot of conversations I have with people is how they're recognizing things in their life, a whole variety of of things from relationships that they want to continue versus not to new career paths to following more of their passion, you know, just really recognizing where they maybe had numbed themselves out a little bit to the choices they were making in their, their lives. And that this has really woken them up to some new incredible possibilities. I, I, I've been saying for a little bit now that COVID created the response. Some people went into fight or flight, but I think the majority of the people went into freeze. Mm. And that freeze is going to come out. And so I believe that we're coming up to a tsunami of mental health issues. Really? Because when people come out of this freeze mode, that's when you're going to start to see it. Because what people have been doing is, okay, just put the blinders on, put the mask on, obey the rules, don't say anything, don't challenge it, just do what they say and it'll be over. And then that's when I think when the people come out of that freeze mode, you're going to start to see a lot of stuff. How do we get ready for that? How can we support? How can we obviously sharing more messages like this and and right. pointing people to the right people to support them with that? But is there anything as a society that we can do more um, in support of one another? I think we just like what you're doing is the perfect way to provide a community, a safe place to come, right? And be able to share and get, you know, people that care have a commonality with you. So this is what's beautiful about what you do, right? You become that landing spot. That's what I had in my house when I grew up as a child. I had a safe place. People need those safe places. And that's what you're providing is a safe place to come and land with people who have something in common with you. So that is fantastic what you do. Yeah, we, I actually use that word safe a lot. (laughs) It's It's a perfect word for that because that's what people are looking for. The mind is trying to be safe. And so by having a place that they can come and and sit in and and feel like I can share and I can I can talk about my vulnerabilities and and what's going on in my life in a safe place with people who have something in common will get it. Yes. They may not even have that in their own house. They may not even have that, you know, with people that love and care for them who don't understand them. Mm-hmm. Um, had had I not met my wife and had experienced and understood what she had experienced, I would have probably not been a safe place as well because I learned through her, right, of what she was going through. And so she taught me a lot about this. Same with my daughter. Um, Like I said, I would never be doing this if it wasn't for them. Were you practicing therapy then or was that something you were growing into? No, I wasn't even thinking about it. You weren't. Did that come through the experience with your wife that you chose this as your life's work? Yes, yes. Like I said, I never would have done it otherwise. And so if it wasn't for her, and then she wasn't really looking for answers for her. It was more my daughter. Like she said, we need to figure this out. We're going to lose our daughter if you can't figure it out. And it must be coming from your side of the family because we didn't know my genetic side because I was adopted. So it was like, you need to figure this out. So 
I started researching, went back on my PhD, and that's when I started making the connections. And I think what was easier for me to do was because I didn't go into it saying, I'm going to learn what they're teaching me to practice that. I'm going to learn what they're doing and then figure out another way. Because mm. I said, there's God. So I, I wasn't necessarily going into it to say, oh, I'm going to be the traditional therapist. I was going in to say, I'm going to learn what I need to learn, but I'm also going to be learning um, new ways. I'm going to be trying to find new ways to deal with it. And it just, I guess because of the way my mind had, had developed as a child, I was able to see things differently and say, hmm, this isn't making any sense. Why are they doing this? And like I said, research just kept showing up. They kept leading me in different paths. And because of looking for the answers for my wife and daughter, I think that really is what developed it. Yes. Well, we are so thankful to your wife and daughter. Yes. Sorry for what they're the heroes. Been through. And I do, you know, I agree with you and why I try as best I can when I feel ready to to be open about my own experiences. Just you know, to provide um, just, you know, so that people know that they're not alone in these journeys and that there are solutions and to be seeking them and to connect with the people where you feel the safest, really, to be able to do this work. And uh, there are so many possibilities for us now that didn't exist before. Um, it's really, it's it's pretty incredible. And I I do wish that everyone would just seek to find their harmony with this, their peace with this. I can only imagine what kind of world it would be if we in some ways were able to settle all those activations. <laughs> because so there does come a point where this would be a podcast too, of how can you, you know, once you become aware of this and you are maneuvering with people who are not yet there, how you can, continue to have compassion and, you know, just understand where things are coming from in them. It's probably because I live in LA. There's still a fair amount of road rage. (laughs) You know that people are just being activated all over on the road and you just think, oh, okay, this will be, you know, the next step of how can we be gentle guides and bringing awareness so that people can move into this next consciousness or a healing um yeah and and if you can heal this then the key is communication and the reason communication breaks down is because your system gets activated and goes into a fight or flight response which then doesn't use reason and logic so you know if you get into an argument you know with your with your partner and your reason and logic isn't available because you're in a fight or flight that argument's not going to go well or disagreement, or even conversation, because your mind's going to be protecting you. Mm. If you could apply the reason and logic, you'd be saying, well, let me think about what they just said. I'm sure they didn't mean it that way. You know, I'm sure that they weren't trying to say it in a particular way to hurt me. But you can't do that when you're in that fight or flight state. Because your subconscious mind is literal. So when it hears something, it's taking it literally. It's only that logical mind that can say, hold on, let me, let me think about that. There's a part of our brain uh, called the um, ventral medial prefrontal cortex. 
which is the impulse control of our frontal lobe. It's that ability to be able to put the brakes on. And so just like you talked about the road range, so somebody cuts off somebody on the road. And so the first response is, oh, I want to just chase them down and give them a piece of my mind. (laughs) But that part of the brain, right, is able to say, hold on, maybe they're old, maybe they didn't see us, you know, um, maybe they've got a gun, maybe they're not the person to challenge. That impulse control should be able to then calm it down. Here's where the problem comes in. If the mind interpreted being cut off as being disrespected, and then you've had a lot of experience with being disrespected, that looks like a disrespectful thing. And then the flood of data comes in about being disrespected. Then the nervous system is so stimulated. Our prisons are full of those people. Mm. being so badly hurt in their lifetime that they can't stop that impulse control. And so then they go into rage. And it really wasn't the person cutting them off that they were fighting. They were fighting everybody that cut them off, everybody that hurt them. And that person happened to be there, right, that activated their nervous system because it looks similar. And then it's the anger is coming about, like you're saying, this person is jumping out of their car, screaming, pounding on my window, like, what did I do? Right? And it doesn't make any sense because the logical part of the brain would never do that. It's gone in that moment. It's gone. I can't stop it. Wow. And, and there's where people lose it. And so that happens throughout life. And so there's where all the dysregulation comes in. But the good news is, is we can fix it. And what we're trying to do now is on the worst case scenarios, we're trying to punish it out of them. Mm-hmm. We're going to put them in prison. We're going to punish them so they don't do it again. That doesn't work. Mm-hmm. No more than does shame and guilt stop an addict. Mm-hmm. Right? Shame and guilt is what got them into it in the first place. Right? And we keep using the same thing that started it. The punishment is what started the pain. The shame and guilt is what created the addiction. And we want to continue to punish them and do that kind of stuff. Makes no sense. Yes. It really so the high functioning people, you know, a relationship can survive that to some degree, but then there can also, you can, even with really good, too great, if you've ever seen really great people that you think, oh, these people were perfect for each other and they break up, right? It's because they couldn't communicate. And it, got, it broke down. So do you work with couples also? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's actually pretty amazing. So a lot of times people will come in. I've I've done it with couples together and sometimes couples separately, but they, they still come in. You know, I had one lady, she came in and she had a lot of trauma as a child and, and she, uh, it definitely made a huge difference for her. She felt this sense of peace. And then, um, she came back, uh, about a, a month later just to say, I need to, share something with you and she came back in and she goes i feel fantastic she goes this has been so good for me she says but here's my problem my husband doesn't like it he can't push my buttons anymore and it's driving him crazy so she she was um latino right so very passionate so he would he never wanted to talk about things right and she wanted to talk about things so he would just get her and start pushing the button and she'd explode. And then he could go, I can't talk to you and walk away. Now he was pushing the buttons and she was going, okay, let's keep talking. 
<laughs> was like, That's a strategy. That was okay. a good strategy. <laughs> His strategy went out the window. Now we had to talk and he didn't want to talk. So he was not happy that she was okay. And she says, I need him to go through the program. How do I get it? He doesn't want to go through the program. What? That's what she wanted to talk to me about. How do I get him to the program? I said, he's going to have to just adjust to you. I said, don't force it because the more you force it, he's just not going to want to do it. He eventually came in and it, and it literally saved their marriage because they lost their home. Like they were going through a lot of financial stuff, a lot, a lot of stuff going on in their marriage and it survived all of it, which was really incredible. Yes. So, but it took him almost a year before he would come in. Well, I guess we're ready when we're ready. <laughs> and it was just like, he realized it was over. She was ready to end it. Yeah. And so he realized, okay, he got to that final stage of, um, I'm either going to save my marriage or I'm going to lose my marriage. And he was hoping that she would be able to get the buttons back on and start flipping the switches. And it wasn't, she was still fine after a year. He couldn't activate her nervous system that way anymore. So then he had to come up, realize that the problem now was with him. Mm. Oh, I'm glad that it ended, ended well, that it progressed. <laughs> that, it did. And that it, it did. transformed. Really did. Yeah. And they still lost their house. They still had, you know, the, they, they weren't going to get out of that problem. They were just way too deep in, in problems, but everything else it, did help but now they're doing actually very well financially so they got through that and good. saved their marriage so good well i do i have one last one last thought since we touched upon couples um and any closing thoughts that you have is there as as parents you know or people wanting to become parents we're becoming so aware how can we obviously i would think communication similarly with when you're raising your child but is there something to really keep in mind as we're trying to provide a safe environment for our children, for the next generation of, of humans coming up? I mean, we have this awareness. How can we really put it into practice? It's actually, it's funny you mentioned that because I'm working on my third book and it's actually talking about that, how we can, and I'm not saying I got it all right because I didn't, right? But my my, what I learned from my parents and what I learned through our experience raising our children and then developing this program, I realized, wow, there's really a great way to be able to do this. So that's what I'm writing the third book on, is being able to get that. Like I said, we did it pretty good. My parents did it very well. well I think we did it fairly well, but we could have even done it better. So the idea is, is I'm writing that book to say, here are the things that I've learned from developing the program and through my own experience, it could have made it better. So that, I'm it? hoping that'll be out by the end of the year. Oh, good. I was going to say, yeah. when is that coming out? Yeah, and it's All just right. little things, you know. It's not, you know, big transformational stuff. It's just really, somebody asked me one time, what's the best piece of advice you would give to a parent? And I said, make your home safe. Your home has to be the safe place, right? So that they can come home and there's a place to land. Just like I was saying, there's a place to be able to come in and be able to share and not, you know, immediately criticize or jump on or that's really the key because that's what I had in my house when I grew up. Yes. So simple. So, so simple. simple, but that regulated my nervous system. So I could expand it if I had something happening with a friend or at school or whatever. But as soon as I came home, it would just come back in. 
And, and as you know, through the program, it's all that connection to the symbol, right? My home became my symbol. My parents were my symbol of safety, yes. right? Even though I didn't know what that was at that time, that's really what it was. As soon as I'd see them, I'd be like, oh, okay, everything's fine. <laughs> yes. Well, Dr. Wood, do you have any closing thoughts today? You've uh, shared so much with us. I hope everyone takes time to listen and re-listen. It's wonderful to connect with you even after going through the program and have good reminders again about this practice. And do you have any additional thoughts? Um, just really, if if you're struggling with something, definitely come and take a look at the site. And some what people say is that they see a particular person and that resonates with them. That's exactly what they were dealing with or listen to, you know, the, this podcast is a great way. I mean, we've given a lot of really good information. Re-listen to it, right? Cause sometimes we're listening, but we're not listening. And sometimes you'll go back and go, Oh, I didn't even hear that. Well, how did I miss that? So re-listening to the podcast could be really powerful because we, we had a lot of really good things. You know, you, Marissa, you shared a lot of great stuff. And great questions. So that should start prompting some things within them. And if they listen to it again, it may go, oh, I missed that. Yes. Yes. I am. I'm, yes, I'm a huge <laughs> supporter of that. I was never a person that I resisted learning for some reason for a while. And then once I got into it, and then I realized that every time I would listen to mentors or listen to podcasters again, I'm at a new place in life all the time, right? There's a new lens with which I'm listening. And yep. it's, it's uh, again, my words of this episode are incredible and wow, but it is the most empower, powerful experience to realize that you just recognize something that you have heard before, but you heard it in this new way based upon the life experience that led you to this moment. And yep. it could even be over a few weeks. It could be over a year, but once you realize that I'm speaking for me, I just think, oh, well, I'm the kind of person that has my earbuds in all the time, <laughs> just listening and getting inspired and becoming educated. And it's just, it's really, um, it just feels good. It feels really good, you know, to yep. start to have this awareness and to be able to bring it to more people. And there is on your, to your point of um, this possible freeze, bringing a lot of people who need guidance. You know, as I shared, I mentor artists who are also teaching and leading communities. And I feel that creative um, women, especially, we, we tend to be on the nurturing side and we are really thriving within the community space. And I see it as no, uh, I, I see it as no accident that this is happening at this time, that there's- I agree. The online space is truly conducive. This year brought even more of that to the forefront to connecting with people globally, creating a space. And, and it can be, as you shared, it's you know just going through the practice of art or whatever it is that your expertise is that you're leading people through. I've become such an advocate and just get moved often by what I see happening in these communities. And um you know, so I say that too, for anyone listening, they know I'm like, if you feel the nudge to share now is the time, you know, where we can really make this kind of impact with one another, um, whether it's a smaller stage or smaller trusted circle, or if you're able to bring more stories out, um, it's 
to me, it's just transformational. It's how we're able to grow and, um, and heal through, through the stories and experiences of others who are willing to share. And, and, uh, and I think that's probably the best lesson is that you're not alone. Right. And so when I met my wife, you know, she was, she thought nobody else had experienced life like her. Right? That's why she never wanted to share it. It's like, well, you know, this is just too out there. People won't understand that. It was the opposite. People would talk. So when I go out and I tell my story, you know, about my wife, right, people will go, that was me. That's me. That's exactly who I am. That's what I do. Right. They, so for a person who never wanted to share her story, her story now is all over the world. <laughs> Everybody knows her story now. <laughs> but what's great about that is it's helping people. Same with my daughter. It's helping people to hear that story and hear that you can heal from those things. And that is probably the best lesson to learn is that you're not alone. You're not the only person to ever experienced that. And the best part about it, there is a way to heal. Yes. We're designed to heal. Yes. Perfect. I think that's a beautiful place <laughs> to wrap. Um, and I thank you so, so much for sharing and spending time with me today. I know uh, my listeners are going to appreciate this incredibly. There's a, awesome. a very strong uh, thirst for this knowledge I sense right now from a lot of people. And so um, I'm honored to be able to bring it. I'm honored that you came and took time to speak with us today. So thank you, Dr. Wood. Well, thank you for the time. Creative Thursday is recorded by me, Marisa. You can find all things Creative Thursday at creativethursday.com and learn about how I can support you in building and growing your thriving artist business at creativethursdaycourses.com. Be sure to hit subscribe to get the next episode as soon as it drops. And if this episode has inspired you, share it with a friend and fellow creative and leave a positive review so that more listeners can be introduced to the Creative Thursday message and mission to empower artists to know their worth, value their work, and consistently artfully sell to their ideal collectors online so that they can make more beautiful art all in support of living a life they love. Coming together as a creative community, we uplift and support one another while encouraging and being an example for more people all over the world to dream big and believe in what is possible for them.